0: Hello everyone and welcome to this uh, another very special episode of the Gestalten Podcast. My name is Martin Groschwald and I'm your host today. And I would like to introduce you to our very special guest, which I'm very, very happy to be here, which is a former mini design director, former Borgwart design director and newly owner of his own design studio. Welcome to the show, Anders Warming. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You are most welcome. And uh, we're actually quite excited to have this conversation with you. Loads of things happened for you recently and uh, first of all before we start, congratulations on uh, starting your own little design shop. Thank you very
1: much. It's no, that's a, that's a big step for me and in many ways it's a, it's a real dream come true
0: as a car designer to be able to do your own thing. Yeah, yeah we will go into quite a bit of detail how this came along and uh, you know what your ambition with this is, but for everybody who's listening to Anders for the first time, was never heard of him before. There's probably only very few people for uh for which this is the case. Um, as mentioned Anders has worked for BMW before, Volkswagen as well. Borgwart design. And uh, is currently based in the Munich area. Um Danish national has been how long have you been in Germany now? How many years?
1: Uh, on and off I would say, but all in all fifteen years, maybe fourteen,
0: fifteen years all now. Effectively. Yeah. So he's an adopted German. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. a, little, a bit. little bit. And uh, I think the most notable cars that you you have been involved, or like you know, if we look back into the last conversation we have had with uh, Takumi Yamamoto, when I asked him the question of what was the uh, one of the most influential projects that unfortunately he couldn't be part of, you were actually part of the GINA, you were part of the BMW Z4, the old one, not the new one, uh, the Mini Vision One Hundred, you know, and alongside the other mini ranges that are currently out. And of course, the last big one was the, uh, the Borgward Isabella. Mm-hmm. Um, did I mention anything that was close to you that uh, you said, you might have said like, you know, this, this, this is worth of this list that's very dear to your heart?
1: Well, very dear to my heart is uh, actually on that list is the um, Milamelia concept mm-hmm. we did at BMW, M- Milamelia. Which has a long story behind it, but that's also still sort of like a, a dream project that I always, yeah, like to look at, like to reflect on this car. So, but yeah, now you got you got the main cars. Obviously, I think uh, projects that are worth mentioning is just in my role as BMW exterior chief. I basically looked after all BMWs yeah. at, within, let's say, f- a four-five year period, yeah. which was like one series, two series, three series, yeah. four series. Uh, it was basically pretty much all BMWs that currently uh, are on the road. Um, somehow I was involved with it, wheel program, M Sport packages, that whole lot. Yeah. So that was also a big chunk of my time there. Obviously within huge teams and a lot of people involved, but that was sort of my responsibility.
0: Very good, very good. But let's before we come back to the past a little bit, let's talk about the present. Yeah. And uh, only a few weeks ago, you have started off your own little design studio, Warming Design. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. How did that come along? I mean, that's quite a big step for someone who comes, you know, from a, from a vast experience of a corporate culture to, to take the step of say, like, look, um, I'm starting something on my own. Obviously, a lot of people have done it before. We can talk about Jujar, we can talk about Chris Bangler as well. Mm. But uh, what, is your, what was your initial kind of direction you wanted to head to with something like that?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very very valid question and I have to say I also uh, even to this day I'm a little bit um also surprised by myself because <laughs> it, it was a big step um but uh, looking back reflecting a little bit on other decisions I've made in my career uh, are equal in the sense um uh, to what I've done now is basically I like uh with and I don't think I do it uh, consciously, but it, mm. when I'm looking back, it seems that you know every five, maximum seven years, I need I need a big change, I need a, a big new challenge. You know, obviously sometimes I'm four years in a role or two years in a row or further, uh, but o- overall, you know, so at, at an at an average, I feel like like every fifth year I need a big, mm-hmm. big change, um, and uh, that was that was basically as big as it could be because I knew of my career within the automotive industry. And I was aware of, let's say the presence and the the roles that I've had. Um, And I thought to myself, um, what's the biggest challenge? And that is to um, return to the roots. Mm -hmm. For me, it's a little bit, uh, a lot of you guys probably remember, but I remembered vividly as well was uh, not that it's my favorite album of all time, but anyways, in music, I remember in the mid nineties where, where, you know, or beginning of 90s there was all a lot of you know pop mm-hmm. techno music whatever and then i don't know beginning of uh, 90s nirvana you know garage rock yeah. or did like i say actually the other example uh, is for me um eric clapton unplugged yeah. people were so used to hearing a certain okay. thing and then you had this acoustic record that inspired everyone yeah. so for me this is a little bit me going unplugged mm-hmm. this is how i see it you know i've i've Played in big bands and played on big venues, and uh, with what I'm doing now with uh, my car design studio, I'm kind of going unplugged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am very proud of um, considering myself a very avid uh, design designer, mm-hmm. not just by 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 job title, but because my right hand designs stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm very keen on drawing. I love drawing. I've been very proud of my abilities to draw cars since a little kid. And uh, what comes with higher positions in uh, the corporate world means you spend a lot of time away from drawing. Mm. And I was missing it. Yeah. So I kind of went up plug- unplugged with this uh, decision to say, I personally want to um, um, increase radically the amount of minutes a day that I'm sketching. Yeah. That's my goal. I want to be closer to people in a direct rapport on decisions on car design. That are, you know, car design decisions is my life. Yeah. It's it's the air I breathe, right? Yeah. So it's um, if it then becomes too many words and too many pointing at yeah, things. Good. Isn't there a famous car design? Uh, um, uh, website called car designers pointing at things or something like that you know <laughs>
0: there's a bunch there's also like you know car designers wearing scarves and stuff but yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which
1: I've been guilty of many years do I know so uh, um, but but the point is I'm um, uh, I feel that uh, as much as I love really working with high ups and board members and and really also being on on that scene and being successful on Mm -hmm. that scene of really respected with you know with with major stakeholders and decision makers i also feel that um i felt that my right hand um, needed uh, to be used more yeah i don't think i was rusty i was probably one of the car designers that um, made a big deal out of i like to get up early in the morning. In Munich, you have to because yeah. if you want to get into office early it 's better to drive early, so usually, I would arrive uh, at the fits um, i't know seven fifteen seven thirty, yeah. and I have about an hour to sketch every yeah. morning, so i 've done that for many, many years as one of the leaders probably who 's been sketching the most, basically as a closet sketcher, right yeah. so I get in the morning and I sketch for the full day, so i i I am um, I have sketches, a sketch on top of maybe sketches that I've done myself or other people have done on the server and give input basically with my right hand. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is, well, that one hour that I really effectively draw every day is too little for mm-hmm. myself and my own ambition yeah. to become better at my craft. Yeah. So basically what I'm getting down to is I want to improve my craft. I want to get closer to people, work with customers directly and have them feel that they're going to great get Great car design from our interaction, our close interaction, yeah. and I can sketch very quickly and high quality what people are looking for.
0: Yeah, you've you've obviously mentioned like you know when you go on your website there's a bunch of videos um, mm-hmm. that you that you've released and one of them is about your philosophy yeah um, about design. So when it comes to that and obviously starting something on your own, you just mentioned you want to get back into the craft and like you know do more sketching. Um, how how do you think your philosophy will help you with the clients as well because you know when you come from a corporate background the philosophy is usually given to you by someone else or by you know other stakeholders or like there's too many decision makers in that process um, when you when you do these projects now with uh, with warming design what is your goal in like you know transcending your own philosophy with these new clients what's uh, what is it that you want to achieve with that
1: Well, be honest with you, I've always loved that. That sounds a little bit contradictory, but I've always loved working close with very big uh, stakeholders Mm -hmm. that have very strong opinions. So I'm probably one of the least, um, not least, but uh, at least I don't think of myself as a very high nose designer. Mm -hmm. I really love to get much input from people. So if it's someone who doesn't know anything about car design, I'm open to that. Tell Mm -hmm. me what you wish for. Ultimately, people that don't know anything about car design are going to buy our products anyways. So I'm not out on the street teaching people, well, this is a good design, because Mm. if they don't like it, they won't buy it. Um, So it's very important for me in a design process and in my design philosophy, and it's always been to work very, very closely with people, and listen to whoever is around it. Basically, take every person that has an input, whether it's a supplier, whether it's a board member, whether it's a chief designer you're working for, whether it's people in your own team. Take every opinion super, super seriously. And um, yeah, in many ways, it I think it makes you a better designer and a s- stronger designer, the more input you can take on. Mm-hmm. So I actually want to make sure that the input that I get, that I can translate so what I'm looking for now is in my role, in my design process, that the people that would work with me directly yeah. and want this relationship as sort of a partnership, I want them basically also to see live that anything that they will say and say, what about this? What about that? We can sketch it very quickly. Mm-hmm. We'll put it on paper very quickly and they can say, oh, that went quick. I was like, yeah, sure. Sure. That's what we're here to do. Get quickly to decisions and get consents, making sure. And someone can look at a sketch and say, oh, okay, well, that's actually not what I'm looking for. Mm. Well, let's get that decision in 20 minutes into our conversations because we're not going to waste more time on that. Mm. Too many things that are going on three or four weeks where you're checking out and checking out. But since people didn't see the sketch and it was just a PowerPoint um, um, outline of a potential and people are like, oh, if that's what we've been talking about three weeks, then I don't want it then I'm much more to say, here's a sketch directly, and I want to have quick touch points with uh, people, customers' interact, uh, interaction, making sure that, that we're not losing time. Yeah. And I think we can condense, especially with a close relationship with me as a person, because I can make things happen basically in my on my side. Yeah. I can de- deliver models really quick. I can make big changes. I can do all that stuff very, very quickly. Um, and I think working directly with me a design process will be higher in quality, but also shorter in time. Yeah. And you have more fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's nobody uh, of famous car designers that, uh, you know, will ever refer to a project that they're proud of in 10 years' time or whatever if they didn't have fun doing it. Yeah. Whether you're the person paying for it, like you're a big company, you want to design for it, They, even though they may be paying the bill. Yeah. They still will refer in 10 years, man, we did that and this was an amazing experience. Yeah. And we as designers will say the same thing, but these kinds of processes where you're like, you know, as I always say, circling the airport and people not making decisions and all that kind of stuff is grinding. And ultimately, you won't look back at those projects and say, man, we did that. Yeah, You're referring to, you know, former projects of mine, and I'm not going to go too much into it right now, but basically, BMW Gina uh, was, you know, one of the most intense projects I've ever been involved yeah. with, you know, with top designers and everyone super emotional about it. We'll never forget it. On the Mille BMW that we did, I have a funny story about that car, um, basically on a whim. Yeah. But like, we weren't supposed to do it, but we did it. Yeah. And that kind of cowboy feel about, you know, we're just going to, In you know, I know you like soccer as well. You know, you're not going to score a goal if you don't take a shot at the goal. Yeah. If you're just passing the ball you know across in front of the um, the penalty box well it's never going to ha- a goals never going to happen exactly, yeah. you got to make some shots and yeah. you got to go for it and you're going to shoot more so and you can see that in in car design as well we got to produce maximum amount of sketches keep the speed up that will produce fun and will produce better design that you'll think of later and say man I can't believe I was part of that
0: yeah would you say and this is this is the interesting point i mean you know when we we spoke about a number of things over the past few weeks, and you know you told me about your idea of you know becoming an independent studio and with your experience at BMW would you would you say that you know it might actually the market needs more of these independent studios to actually take the car design community onto the next level because you know we hear all this criticism about you know almost all big major OEMs they're not developing as fast enough as you know stagnating everything there's no movement there's no development in there would you i mean obviously in your kind of case you would say yes of course we need uh, exterior uh, external support but how do you think about that how do you think like you know that this external support can really drive things as you know the carouser area well i think
1: it's a i think it's a healthy thing it's all about basically moving the industry forward i mean part of what i'm working for in my company is not to say i'm a car designer I'm renaming my job and saying I'm a designer of future mobility, mm. future automotive mobility. But it could also be mobility all in all. I don't want – I mean, I'll be happy for all the projects that I'll get my hands on in the next 10, 15 years where it can be a car. That's not an issue. But I'll be equally happy to be part of changing the, uh, the mobility ecosystem. Yeah. Um, I have talks also to cities right now in Europe where part of my role would not only just be to design the objects themselves, but also to design the experience of how you go into a train station Mm -hmm. Um, and and the connectivity you have on your phone when you enter the train station. I mean, I think car design is also part of that. Car design, not in a traditional sense, but the aesthetic experience of a shape, of a form, that uh, could be a bench, uh, could be a... a, um, a hook where you attach your, uh, your bicycle, you bring along or whatever. All these things are three-dimensional objects, yeah. just like Charles and Ray Eames were making something great out of a living room environment and all the little pieces. That's how I want to spread out. So on the OEM side of things, I th- like I say, I think it's about health in, in, in sort of the health mm-hmm. of the industry. Uh, it's like exhaling and inhaling you got to have the big OEMs that do and bring the quality uh, uh, forward. All the startup companies need the OEMs to show the way. Yeah. On the other hand, as far as inhaling, exhaling, you need checks and balances. It means you need a lot of little speed boats around the big boats yeah. that stir up the water and say, hey, we can go here, we can go here, we can go here. So basically I moved from obviously being involved in some big boats and great endeavors. You know, uh, I'm very, very proud of what we did with Mini with the next 100 yeah, yeah. because that was within a big system, but still it had a lot of speedboat character about it. And it was true, honest, authentic. It was a real plausible idea of how would Sir Alec Isagonis, if he was alive today, how who would he think about mobility in 2030 onwards? Yeah. It's a very serious consideration. What would the founding father of Mini consider for the future so you can do those things within the big organizations Uh, i was lucky to do that at mini i was lucky to do that at borgwart also with a big support on on especially the grandson of uh, carl borgwart christian borgwart uh, who pushed us and allowed us to Mm -hmm. go far with it Um, but also borgwart of course is more on the startup side of things as far as his size Um, so i think it's checks and balances you need in all sectors on the big boats on the small boats you need um, um, you need each other yeah. to push each other to look with social media. Anyways, you know all big OEMs are using social media to do their checks and balances, and um, I think a lot of decision makers in big companies are even spending time on Instagram looking at sketches from student projects. Yeah. Like them, and you guys are also helping with that. You know, showing that yeah. stuff. I follow you guys' stuff, uh, all the stuff I didn't see in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. I will check up on your yeah. you know uh, feeds. Uh, just because of um, um, the wealth of visual um, visual stimuli we have. And uh, the OEMs are increasingly, and I think with a good speed, um, opening up to that input. On the other hand, we need the speed boats as well. Good examples like Tesla or whatever. But also now Tesla is also a medium boat yeah. and it needs to look at some other speed boats. Yeah.
0: It's always a renewal process, isn't it? I mean, you know, we see it in the tech industry. Um, we had, in you know, <laughs> internally we had a really funny conversation recently, which was about, you know, Facebook now, what it means to the young people, pretty much nothing anymore because now they have Instagram, yeah? So then what is the next thing? We had Snapchat somewhere in the middle that kind of disappeared, but what is the next thing for the next generation? And I think in this kind of renewal process where we are very interesting and I think this is where your venture so... Um, it's almost right that the, it's pretty much at the right time is to say we are going away from just a purely aesthetic proposal of a car to an experience about the car as well. You know? And you mentioned something earlier about you know unplugging yourself pretty much, and I think unplugging yourself also probably means a little bit of yeah, it needs to be a beautiful shape, but is it also you know worthwhile within this bigger environment? And and that's obviously you know, going to be interesting to see because I think that's where the, the really input for the OEMs have to come into, you know, this kind of connection of what is an ecosystem, you know, and how can a car contribute or like, you know, a vehicle contribute into that ecosystem. And, uh, you know, you can see that with, with, with the startups in particular. Um,
1: I also think that, um, there needs to be a new phase earlier, um, in each project we're going to be doing in the future. Mm. A new phase doesn't mean that we haven't done it before in the industry. I've been at the big companies for many, many years. Uh, but I think you need to be more true to make sure that you have that early phase for sure every time. What I'm saying is basically one of the things that I am, am propagating with my story right now is to say we need to ensure to have an exploring phase before you start creating. hmm And the exploring phase will allow you to think of context, experience, human feelings, um, whether you're being faithful to a brand or not a brand. All these considerations need to be looked at before you start putting pen to paper, Mm -hmm. even though I like to sketch, I know. But when it really comes down to I have to visualize and take companies, entire companies, through a process of almost soul-searching, why are you doing what you're doing? That's my big thing. I don't believe we should always start, and a lot of the big companies tend to do that, and I have also been doing that for maybe probably a couple of years, is we get into the what and the how.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we need that car, and it's, it's got that length, and that's what the predecessor has, and this is length. And how are we going to do it? Well, we have a plan over there, and we're going to have these guys put it together. Um. In ninety-five percent of the uh, times, it works fine, and people are happy. Customers mm-hmm. will get their good cars, and they will work, mm-hmm. and they will squeak and rattle less because quality is going up. So there's always satisfaction with a new car. But what I say is, we have to, in the front-loading process, in the exploring phase, answer more deeply to the question of why. Yeah. Why are we making this car one more time? Uh, I'm one of the people that have a lot of a lot of times been. Even stripping down uh content for facelifts, mm-hmm. maybe even from a holistic sustainability thought is this going is this really going to change people's lives, yeah. or do we rather want to invest our money in some better material and a better app and better connectivity than doing an entire new front bumper? Mm-hmm. I know on the minis, as you can see right now i I am very open about this, and a lot of my colleagues have agreed with me on that. I was one of the people that made sure we did not do a new bumper. Mm-hmm put the money in the lamp in the headlight we did the union jack, yeah, the union jack ones, yeah. we put the money there where you see it and you get an experience but a lot of times there are bumpers that are being redone the, the customer even though he pays for it might don't even know oh that has a new bumper i didn't even see that mm. and on the sustainability level you actually might uh, say uh, you might put in uh, some 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 input some costs some 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 resources into new projects that the customer might not even ask for. So that's why I said before, I really, really want stakeholders, customers up front. I want to hear their voice. The interesting thing is I know a lot of my colleagues, uh, and I uh, won't name names obviously, but I've heard a lot of my colleagues that have said, you know, you got to get marketing out of design. you got to let designers do that thing. I don't believe in that. Mm. I want to hear the customer who pays for the product. I want to hear his voice. I want to hear his feelings. I want to understand what his dreams are. My dreams, you know, that's actually not the most important thing. I really, there's nothing better than, and I'm sure any, you know, great chef in a restaurant, if some guy, you know, brings his, you know, plate back out to the kitchen and say, I just want to meet the chef because chef, this food was just excellent and I thank you very much. There's nothing better for a chef in a kitchen to get that response because it comes from the heart. And of course, it's an adrenaline rush for someone, just like as a band playing at a you know at a concert yeah. if there's no clapping or medium clapping, you you feel that. Yeah. I've been on stage playing music many times. You feel a medium clapping, yeah. or you you see when people start looking at their watch. <laughs> you see it two hundred meters away. Yeah. So why would I play music on a stage? because I want to touch people. Yeah. I want to move them. Why would I want to design a car? Because I want you guys to come up to me five years later and say, you know. That design still moves me. That's for me the most, whether I like it or not. I've talked to um, some people, also some journalists. have also asked, so, so how come you don't own your own cars or whatever? Yeah. You know, usually when I buy cars, I buy other brands. You know, yeah. buy other cars that I uh, admire. Yeah. You know, um, I know that uh, Jean Claude Bivier, who's the, who uh, bo- he's the boss of uh, Hublot watches, mm-hmm. whatever, and he was doing. During his time, I think Roy Audemars Piguet and Rolex or whatever, his main the one brand he never worked from was was Patek Philippe, and his personal collection is Patek Philippe. Yeah. He doesn't collect. There's a you know these um, uh, there's also I think it's also a podcast, but there's this uh, this uh, station on in, in New York called Hodinkee that's got mm-hmm. this watch thing. And Hodinkee they have these sessions called Talking Watches, mm-hmm. where they have people talking about their yeah. their watch collections. And then Jean-Claude Bivot comes on and he says, I don't collect my own stuff. I collect the competition. I want to learn from them. Yeah. I thought it was a beautiful image. And, and I thought, "Wow, okay. Well, that's probably why I don't have a Z4 in my driveway. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to celebrate myself. I'm, that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. I'm here to listen to what the future will mean for you guys. And my job is to be a little bit catering to your emotions. And that's why that exploring phase I was yeah. mentioning is super important. Invite people in. What are your dreams? What are your wishes? What, you know, how can I help you? Yeah.
0: Would that be something you would criticize in, like, the new generation of, let's say, mobility or transportation designers is that they're not exploring enough, that it's just about high-quality sketches, you know, it's just about, uh, you know, it look, things looking nice?
1: I wouldn't criticize it like that. I, I do feel it myself. I do know we have a tool discussion Uh, What tools are we using, digital or hardware? Um, That will obviously, like anything since the renaissance, tools influence art. And um, so I'm amazed with uh, what a lot of the guys in the, uh, for example, in the FITs are doing with their virtual uh, visualization. And I realized that we, the sketchers, the designers, we have to up our game to keep up with the guys to visualize in the future because who's now the real designer? Yeah. Um, you know, I might wear a scarf, right? <laughs> and look like a designer, but no, I'm not wearing a scarf. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is that, you know, I don't believe in these old roles. Yeah. My biggest um, ideal for what I want to achieve and maybe I don't think he was the biggest on, on marketing, but I, I would add marketing to, to my wish for what I can do. But um, it's always Leonardo da Vinci. If you're thinking about how it was about tools and function and aesthetics and beauty and art, you know, people say beauty's in the eye of the beholder and say, yeah, but let's talk about your feelings. Yeah. What do you think is beautiful? Let's talk about it. It doesn't hurt to talk about it. You can't just say, well, beauty, let's not talk about it because it's in the eye of the beholder. So, well, then ask the beholder yeah. Yeah. what he likes. You yeah. know, I do think beauty is very important. I mean, I I, I own a 993, a 911, and, and, and I can look at that car for hours. And I know that it's the car that, well, next to the mirror that obviously I can't have. But... but that's a car I could sit out in my garage and that's just stare. And, and I just admire the process and the people that's, you know, made that piece of art for, I mean, 993 is for me just like so wonderful yeah. because it, it adheres to everybody's sense of beauty. I mean, the, you know, coefficiency of people that don't like a 993 is rarely yeah. small, right? So, but it doesn't mean that it's any less intellectual. There's stuff form-wise and proportions and 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 um, uh, package-wise uh, and story-wise happening on a nine three that you know go goes really deep. Yeah. That it's not just a pretty face. There's it's got depth and depth and depth. Yeah. So I do believe in beauty. Yeah. I do believe in automotive beauty. So I cannot criticize anyone, you know, who's sketching tons of sketches. Quite the contrary, I believe 100 sketches is better than 50, yeah. <laughs> because it makes you a better drawer yeah. and you practice your craft. Um, so practicing the craft is—you just—we all know, you know—you need 200 sketches, 300 sketches if you get want to get close to something that's anywhere good. Yeah. That's maybe one thing we could say. Because we are such a fast-moving world, and we want to impress, you know, I would say don't post your first sketch yeah. online. Post your 201st sketch, yeah. then it'll be good. Yeah. Then we'll talk about it. That's probably what we're we're trigger happy on posting our sketches. Yeah. Um, you know, you gotta we are we gotta spend more time practicing our craft, uh, less time maybe consuming what other people do, and really practicing our own craft.
0: You were obviously in a position. In, at multiple companies where you had to decide quite a lot. So when it comes to criticizing or, you know, giving, you know, new thoughts to your, your, your team that you're working with, or, you know, it can also be intern students, whatever. Um, how, how would you, how would you go along with that then? Because, you know, obviously, well, like think part of an important, is an important part of, uh, yeah, but, of cri-
1: but criticizing, I mean, okay. Um, I don't want to paint uh, or to put myself in a position that some might say that uh, I know better than others. not, I don't, not what I want to say. But one thing, if I may say so, that I've always been very, very good at is to be unselfish yeah. about a design process, not put myself and my opinion in the foreground. That mobilizes people's feeling of being allowed to do. Um. It's the strangest thing. It has nothing to do with what I'm saying right now. But I, I did watch you know, like 10 years ago because I love the Beatles and mm-hmm. all that. Kind of stuff. There's, that uh, there's a DVD uh, from Paul McCartney called Wingspan mm-hmm. where he left Beatles. And the DVD explains the 10 years of him out of the Beatles. Yeah. and How do you deal with the post-Beatles phase? Yeah. Obviously, very relevant topic for me. How do I deal with not being at the Beatles yeah. anymore yeah. and have my own band called the Wings now? Yeah. So it's the same same thing not that I'm Paul McCartney but that thinking and um but that's another thing um what Linda McCartney often said to Paul McCartney was that sentence it's allowed yeah and that stuck with me for many many years like in a design process it's allowed yeah it's just paper opinions are allowed yeah. um so in a design process what we've done and the best example I can give you is and I'm really really proud of that car it's Next, I would say the Borg by the Isabella, also similar process, but especially the Mini Next 100. It's mm-hmm. the car that really, every time I see it, I still am so proud of it. You know, everyone involved, you know, the entire interior team, the entire exterior team, color materials. You know, I wouldn't even start naming names now because then I wouldn't even know where to stop. Yeah. It was an incredible, incredible project. Um, the way I started the project was I did what I call future breakfast. Mm-hmm. So I brought croissants and and uh, and uh, orange juice, and uh, we said we we meet on our on our surface, uh, on our, our we have a space where we do our studio reviews mm-hmm. uh, in the mini design studio upstairs, and then I would say everyone just make your coffee, bring your tea, whatever, and we're gonna spend four hours every Thursday morning and talk about future. Mm-hmm. And you should bring sketches, what you think are cool and what you like and what you would do, and this is a free-for-all. It's allowed.
0: And not just from cars, like anything. Anything.
1: Future breakfast. We talk future. We're going to just dive in, whether we want to talk Isagonas, whether we want to talk driving shoeboxes, whether we want to talk about beauty of a 911, we'll talk beauty of an old Mini, we'll talk about anything. It's It's allowed. And I just kind of moderated a little bit. I I had opinions, and people know I have strong opinions about things I like or not Mm -hmm. like. But I also just told anyone, if I'm allowed to have strong opinions, you're allowed to have strong opinions. Speak out, honey. I want to hear what you think. And we had walls of sketch, and people start bringing really raunchy design stuff because now it's allowed. You're not going to get someone saying, I don't like that sketch. Some chief designer turning his nose up. He, all I'm saying is, tell me your story. I want to know what's behind yeah, the sketch. Yeah, yeah. And people will be like, well, what I thought about was this and this and that. And if I may say so, I'm like, you should say so. And yeah. if you're not, that's why I say in the one video that I have a very specific word that I chose in the process uh, video I have on my website. As I say, it's our duty mm-hmm. to look at things. And I use the word duty yeah. also because our hours are being paid for. Yeah. You know, if we're in a design team and we have young designers coming out of design school and they're super talented or whatever, why are you holding
0: back? Yeah.
1: Why are you not voicing your opinion? What are you afraid of? Yeah. Quite on the contrary, I have to step on your toes and say, it's your duty yeah. to voice your opinion about the future. Otherwise, why would we pay your salary? I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's be open and let's speak in the world of it's allowed. So the result of that was the Mini Next 100 that just, I think, you know, blew it out of the park. Yeah. You know, it was a, it was such a deep car. We allowed to do a mini, that didn't have, you know, the classic, you know, round headlights up on the bonnet. Yeah. You know, Christopher Weil, I will mention his name, and also Stefan Gripple, whatever. They were so powerful in the way they put. They said, let's let's not have the eyes up. Let's just put the round inside the grill mm-hmm. that we're seeing through anyways. And it was like, okay, and you see, you have no dashboard. And you can have a mini and the character of urban mini mobility mm. without the round headlights. And it still emotionally got us because it was such a beautiful car. So for me, that's, um, that's, uh, the best example of how to motivate people to, 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 to do this. It's allowed. And not only that, it's our duty yeah. as designers and as visualizers, uh, to, to put onto paper
0: what the future can look like. Is that what holds a lot of, let's say, you know, creative companies, and I don't just want to include car companies in that, but general kind of product companies back, is like that they're not looking, or like you know, that they don't think it's allowed. It's more just like it's follow the path that we're given.
1: Yeah, for sure. And also I would say that uh, it's a generational thing. Um, and, and you know, what I'll do whatever I can not to, to get old. I mean, I, there's some wonderful TED talks online. I mean, I'm not the only one speaking about these things. Um, And I want to live it and I want to be a little bit of spearhead for this stuff. Uh, I I plan also to be involved with many, um, you know, talks, uh, you know, where I, uh, you know, basically speak to an audience that are creative. And my, I will, my 50% of my job right now next to obviously creating with my right hand and sketching and making is also to motivate the design community. Mm -hmm. Say you are empowered, I remember when Chris Bangle told us back in the n- 90s and and I was uh, starting the Z4. Uh, you know, I think good design comes from unselfishness. Mm-hmm. And um, what Chris, he said in a meeting, I remember because I, I, I just, I, I you know, I think it's, it's, I can say this here yeah, openly. I love Chris. He's just, <laughs> he's, he's my mentor. He's my, he's, he's my in everything. He's done so much good for BMW design and for us and Davide and, uh, you know, everyone. I mean, it's been really a pleasure to work with Chris and I still see him a lot. Um, but the thing about Chris, I remember he said to us, you know, he says, you guys are the agents of change. Yeah. I still get goosebumps when I hear that. First, it sounds like agents. I'm like, that sounds cool, you know, Men in Black, you know, yeah. like you know, kind of like that. And you're like, we're the agents of change, you know. Agent also as far as you know, you know, the physics of yeah. agents of putting things. You know, we make that difference. And you have all this production methods, and then the designer comes in and go like, got to be like that, that, and it makes a big difference, whether you sell five hundred thousand or two mm-hmm. cars. You know, the agents of change are big. So that was Chris' word. I'm not going to take it from him, but that was his way of empowering us and say it's allowed. Yeah. But also, Chris is also a tough guy with that because he's also saying, you guys are responsible. For you. I want to see more from yeah. you guys. Yeah. Don't hold back. Give me, yeah. give me, give me, give me. You know, we have tough meetings with Chris for many, many, many years. And I love him to p- bits, but I mean, he's torn me apart in meetings like you wouldn't believe. To I felt like I was, you know dying bleeding wondering why and he's like i just want to see if you really wanted it
0: yeah
1: i'm going that was it (laughs) you you put me through all that and now and he goes like yeah but i know i know where you stand now and i i follow you i mean gina was an example you know or i was trying to when i was doing advanced design from 2005 to 2007 i was we were doing a lot of the new interior volumes where we came up with the layering stuff or whatever and i I, I, you know, minute he he heard things that sounded like things he'd heard before, he would stop. He's like, I don't want you to, I don't want you to use that word again. I'm like, why not? It's like, yeah, oh, I want to hear, I want to hear new. Yeah. So, accidently, the next sentence, I use that word again, X Y C, whatever that was, and he's like, stop, I don't want to hear that word. That says past. I want to hear future from you. He yeah. was tough on making sure that we don't hold back and and really test on what we really stand for. Yeah. And um, and I think that's what you know. Obviously, he is a person is an agent of change, a big inspiration. Um, that's how the Z4 as an anecdote mm-hmm. happened. Uh, I was uh, speaking with a friend the other day, and I was telling him the story, and he was like, "Oh, you got to tell this story at some point." But it still it still is a, a very emotional story for me on the Z4 because I was in a design studio, big be- you know, uh, at Design Works, and the Studio Nine. It was called at Design Works in California mm-hmm. where I started. And Chris uh, and Chuck Pilly had asked me to join uh, back in the 2000 and uh, 1997 and 1998, I was sitting in mean, seven, eight, I was sitting in a massive studio. I was mm. surrounded by, you know, big cats. Right. And, and I was, su- I was called the kid. Right? right. I was the kid. And it was Merrick Reichman. It was uh, Merrick Georgievich. It was Chris Chapman, um, Eric Goplin, Henrik fiske was our boss. I mean we were by by heavy hitters right so I was like just happy to be there right and they were saying um uh, you should uh, um you should just do this project whatever and the, the successes Z3 uh, Chapman will do one and Georgievich will do one and I was like okay yeah fine cool so fine and then I had been practicing sketches to to hold my pen in a different way that mm-hmm. I'd learned from art Center. I was sketching a little bit different and one of the most beautiful things, I think, even considering what happened, because I was sketching differently, that was the beginning of flame surfacing. Mm-hmm. Because what ha- had happened at Art Center, I had an experience with a teacher because I was doing a um, life drawing, naked people mm-hmm. drawing, sitting there drawing that, and I was holding the pen. Like I draw cars, yeah. and then my uh, teacher came over, and he's like, "Oh, you car designers! You always hold the pen the wrong way. Yeah. You're doing the outline and not the shapes." I was said, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You're just doing the shape, the outline of what you see, and then you fill in the muscle and the bone yeah. structure and all this yeah. stuff. I want you to do the bone structure, the muscle, and then derive it the outlines." Yeah. And my w- head went, yeah. "I love that!" Right? Just like, so I had that in the back of my mind. Do the bone structure, the muscle, and then derive at the outline. So what I was playing around with independently of, of not knowing I was going to get a model was I was sketching on a very soft paper with a Baral Prisma Prismacolor, you know, twisted shapes. So I was sh- doing the muscle yeah. and then deriving at the outlines of the car. And then what I was saying, the very unselfish story was Marek Georgievich, he literally came by and, He was also very involved with the uh, original uh, rolls-royce phantom at the time so he had his head a little bit in the rolls-royce ambitions uh, i think and he was told he was going to do a z3 it was going to call the Z three successor and then uh, he came around my sketches and he's go like oh look at the kid he's got it going on (laughs) he should do a model so he gave me his model and i was like what are you doing he's like "No, no i love those sketches you know, Henrik, you know, ask Anders to do a, a model instead. I don't need to do it. I'll, you know, I don't, I don't have it. He had some sketches. I thought it was nice. And then I got to do the model. And I did the sketches, or the, the scale model with Brady Gall, who's an excellent uh, clay modeler at DesignWorks. And and we did the shapes. Yeah. And that was the birth of flame surfacing because it was the twisting surfacing mm-hmm. on, on planes. So it's kind of a beautiful story because I wasn't really supposed to be doing it. And the unselfishness of Mary Georgievich just meant, you know, go ahead, you got the better game. You know, that was really cool. I
0: mean, this is, you know, what we discussed, I think, quite a few times in the podcast already is this kind of understanding as well when someone is better. And, you know, it's like, look, these, this guy deserves to go for that shot and don't be that selfish Exactly. just because someone tells you you should do it. It's like, no, no, this is much better. And, I mean, this is one of the biggest qualities I think you can find not just in a designer but in a human being is to understand, hey, this guy is better, you know. And, uh,
1: and I think that was back to the question you had before about how to go about managing a team to think freely yeah. is that when things, not only when, because they will come up or it's not if they come it's when they come up the ideas of individuals come up they will come up at spurts or convictions and you can tell from people's eyes if they stand behind what they say or not if they're telling something in a design presentation that means they want you to nod they will say whatever but if they kind of look up a little bit and look a little bit away and a little bit dreamy in their eyes and they start philosophizing about what they thought would be really good you got to listen carefully Because then they kind of go into a deeper spot yeah, in their, yeah. in their, you know, verbalizing of an idea or a sketch. If you, you, know, you gotta. I think that's a, um, uh, a talent you have to nurture as a, as a, as a, as a design chief um, to listen to that. And that's back to the first point I made about I want to listen to the customer. Mm. I want to look in his eyes and see how he feels. I want to kind of get a feel for is he is his body language like yeah okay there's another car or is his body language upright going like whoa okay cool yeah you know uh and you could tell from people around you and obviously i've been fortunate to work around someone like chris bangle for so many years years where you can tell immediately whether he feels it or doesn't feel it as a customer as a boss because just like i'm his customer he's my customer you know, it's just like you say being unselfish, looking at uh, looking across the line and looking at the other people. And if they're not feeling well, people working on a project, doesn't matter if you got if you're right. It's not going to be a pretty project yeah. and you're not going to be happy about it in 10 years time. Another great example of that I'm really proud of having worked with uh, was uh, with uh, Louis de fabri Becker on the Mini Superleggera. Basically that car we shared yeah. the mini design team with my leadership and the super the touring the design, design leadership from Louis, yeah. and he just posted a picture of it today on on, on Instagram, yeah. and he you know obviously you know tagged me on yeah. it, and when I post something I tag him on yeah. it. It's not about him or me. We know we did this car together, yeah. and we were in the car together when we drove it into Villa yeah, Desta, yeah, yeah. and 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 you know we love each other for that. Knowing that I know what you brought, and he knows what I brought, yeah. and it's that's. You know, you know, it, it, you got to have that unselfishness, I think, yeah. in order to succeed in this industry. The minute you start pushing yourself forward, yeah. maybe some people sometimes have accused me of being, mm-hmm. you know, a little pushy mm-hmm. on things. I do think you have to push things to stir things up a little bit. So sometimes maybe with me, it can get misinterpreted as being selfish or, you know. Arrogant or whatever. But I'm saying, no, 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 you got to look behind the surface. I'm pushing for everyone. I'm pushing for all of that. And you got to stir up a little bit of dust sometimes to wake people up in the tracks. So, yeah, you know, there are certain leaderships, maybe I belong to that, that will also put my foot down and say, okay, I've heard everything now. We're going to go through that door. Okay, sometimes you got to do that. But I think ultimately, 90%, 80% of the time, you can follow the swarm swarm intelligence
0: yeah you've you've been around a little bit obviously in different countries um you're from denmark you know live in germany been to the u.s a little bit how did you know living in all these different countries you know shape your professional life as well
1: i think um culture is basically the reason why we're here also in car design because i think that we're contributing to culture in cars Mm. and what we do Because, you know, obviously, as a a Danish kid, um, I know how many kilometers I've walked to the train station to get the latest car magazine, you know. And it's like once in a blue moon, there was even a new magazine that would make it out to where the train station was in that part of Denmark where I was living. I mean, you were under a rock back in the days, you know. It was amazing. I even knew what Pina Farina was or whatever. Mm. So back in the day, I I always had a humble feeling towards car design. Like it was always greater than obviously me as a little Danish guy. Mm -hmm. So I think um, that has shaped my professional way of working, meaning I always find myself um, as dynamic as I may be and pushy for certain things. Uh, One of the things that I always pride myself on is being humble Mm -hmm. and not being boasting you know, I like to talk about these projects and I hope you, you, can all understand that I speak about them in, 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 I would say a, um,
0: okay, appreciation
1: them. for the people that I did it with and yeah. the moments that I experienced with Chris or with Louis yeah. or with Christopher Weil or, and all these people that I love dearly. So it's not a, it's not a selfish thing. And I think the thing I've learned most about the, you know, cross-cultural thing is humbleness yeah. that, um, that, 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 you are just another you fly on the wall. You might have a title, chief yeah. designer Mini, or uh, chief exterior designer BMW, or you know these are wonderful titles. But you're still in the big cosmic thing. You you know I think humbleness is okay. That being said, another thing that that contradicts that that I've learned uh, next to the humbleness is um, honesty. Yeah. And learned that um, in many cultures, um, honesty will be rewarded. And, you know, honesty also means telling the truth, you know. But also in the moment, uh, to, to say say what you think. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that is more being true to myself, saying whichever culture. And I've dealt with a lot of American, and I know how that works. I know I've dealt with a lot, obviously, with Germans. I've learnt, dealt with, with Italians because I studied in Italy. Uh, lately, I spent two years with Borgpat, where I was much in China and dealt a lot with Chinese co- uh, colleagues. So, as much as I have respect for the, alter, uh, the, the, the other um, cultures around me, I also try to look at myself and make sure that I'm faithful to myself. Mm-hmm. So, being honest about what I think, even though I know, well, in this culture you don't do this, so you don't do that. You know, as long as if you're being cordial. And if you are, are, are keeping your, your demeanor you know, in a, in a good, you can still be direct and say, yes, I know. But mm. this is how it is and um, this is my position. Mm. So on the one hand side, the humbleness of where, where you are, which I think is the world openness. The other side is also you got to keep your own line. You got to mm. be true to yourself. Just because you're in a culture where that and that is expected in an American culture, or in a Chinese culture, or in a German culture, that and that is expected, I still think you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Okay, well, who am I?" Yeah. And, and I is don't just a copy. Exactly. You don't want to go to meetings and just you know blend in with the wall, because again, also like I said before, you have a duty to speak up. Yeah. It's not you know it would be nice if you'd speak up. You have a duty. You know the, the mm-hmm. clock's ticking. The processes are going. If you don't say it now, um, and please say it in a cordial fashion, (laughs) and I will also adhere to that. But but you got to say it. You got to you know say okay. Well, we have five more minutes, and I know we're trying to be nice to each other. But I'm leaving in five minutes, and I got to tell you this. I think that 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 might also be where I have a a a a little bit of a rep of being very direct. Mm. But people that have worked with me for many, many years uh, also know that, um, just like Chris, mm. you know, that is uh, only because of time is money. Yeah. Uh, and as long as we're friendly to each other, we, certain things we've got to condense. Yeah. You know, we can circle the airport, but mm, let's move on. Yeah,
0: exactly. Cool. All right. Then let's, let's, let's wrap it slowly up. And uh, as you are a very special guest to us, you will also get three questions. As uh, everybody does when they when they join us on these on these uh, special podcasts, so first question, who was the most influential designer that you 've worked with chris bangle it 's the second one who says Chris bangle Takumi was uh, Chris was ba- also in there yeah no Chris bangle all the way
1: i mean by a by a large large margin i mean i would I would give my right hand to work with uh, jujaro. Mm. Um, no, I wouldn't give my right hand, I'd give my left hand, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, but I would, uh, it would be a dream to w- collaborate with, uh, Giugiaro just because of his catalog yeah. and his road through, um, of course, the early of Bertone, uh, the, G- the Gia, uh, years and obviously the Ital design, uh, even down to Brea concept and so forth. We just kind of say that's amazing. So, you know, that would have been a dream for me to work with this, uh, for, you know, Giugetto Giugiaro. Uh, but the person I've worked with that I just that have given me that has been Chris all the way. But just because of his his human approach, his his complex wo- you know human complex way of understanding all the things that matter in car design, just by a long margin.
0: Cool. Number two, which project that you did not work on would you love to have been part of? You can go far as you can go back as far as you would like. Yeah.
1: Well, I would say. I mean, obviously, on my top three list, there that there, there's there there's definitely uh, a lot of them that are, you know. Where I would say, you know, Bugatti thirty five or Lamborghini Miura and stuff like that. I mean, thirty five is amazing, um Miura as well. Um, but I would say uh, I would go for a surprising one: the Franco Scaglione Bat cars. You know, I would say those three cars: Bat five, seven, and nine. Yeah, especially five and seven. Uh, you know the early Bertone Franco yeah. Scaglione. you know my word I mean you know the whole area I mean also what happened then with the Disco Volante that they yeah. did over touring whatever but I mean you know the bad cars are oh my <laughs> god that is like oh it's such rock and roll it's so wonderful
0: cool and number three if I would give you any money in the world what car would you buy
1: Yeah, it has to be Lamborghini mura has to be Lamborghini mura
0: we're having a little bit like you know like when we talk to these people like to to you guys and the the lambo's always come up in in, in the mura we, uh, well, we had we had takumi last time at a, a lambo as well i don't remember which one it was yeah it was a mura as well i think um so yeah the mura the reason why the mura is such a strong thing is that it's the most sensitive
1: excellent you know, execution of, of, I would say, masculinity and, you know, femininity, you know, beauty and power and that balance, just like I think the 911 also has beauty and power uh, when it's about, you know, sports cars as well. I mean, even, a, you know, a E E32 BMW mm. 7 Series is amazing from that standpoint of beauty and power, you know, a, you know, litheness. I love the word lithe, L-I-T-H-E, you know, but, um, I mean, the Mura is just such a complex, you know, sculpture. Yeah. And it has what I loved about our old Mini, uh, you know, the, the, the original Mini is, the, you know, the the transverse engine V8, V12. Yeah. The fact that you get a transverse V12 into that car and you get those proportions with a little bit of dash to axle and it's such a sexy car. It's, and I don't think there's a man or a woman on earth that stand in front of that car that don't. Yeah. Get some sort of adrenaline kick just by looking at it. So Mura, yeah. I mean, I do like the Mercedes 300 SL. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's very gauche. I know it's very gothic. Gullwing you know, or Gullwing. Yeah. yeah, I do. I also like the open one because yeah. it's got a better rear axle. But a different thing. <laughs> um, but but the, the 300 SL, I think it's amazing. The interesting thing is, I also know that there's a uh, there's there are people that say yeah, I don't know. And that's then hold me back and say, okay, well, maybe I see a lot in it yeah. and loved it, you know, but the thing about the mirror is just I, I, there's very little people on this planet that will turn away and say, I don't know. Because yeah. so, if you talk about customer feedback and what people like, that, that's the one that's cool. the one to get. Yeah, That's the one to get.
0: All right. So cool. thank you very much for taking the time.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks for pleasure.
0: having me. Um, people can find you on your website if they want to contact you. Warming-design.com. .com and uh, also on Instagram, of course, as we are yeah. all now in the social media aspect. Endless Warming Design. Endless Warming Design. And uh, yeah, so endless. Thanks a lot for being with us. And uh, to all of our listeners, of course, make sure that you listen to the old ones as well. Listen, you know, we have a, another one coming up very, very soon. And thanks for listening. And, and we will hear you very, very soon. And you will hear us very soon.